Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. 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 And the Half Drunk Podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half-Drunk Podcast this week. I'm Sam. And I'm Emily. And this week is Demental, Demental, ooh! (laughs) (laughs) That was an awful impression, but you get it. It was a beautiful impression. Yeah, this week we are diving right back into The Prisoner of Azkaban from the book. Um, Basically, it's a lot to unpack in these last half chapters of the book. It's... Mm -hmm. It's a lot meatier than I remember it being, so I'm really excited to get in and hear what you have to say about it. But first, let's talk about our drink of the week. Yeah, so our drink of the week actually was inspired by you guys a little bit because back when we were recording um, for Sorcerer's Stone, someone suggested we do Hair of the Dog because of Fluffy, but I think think that it was more appropriate to do a hair of the dog drink this time because of Sirius mm-hmm. Black. So mm-hmm. our hair of the dog is a fancy Bloody Maria, not Bloody Mary, be- Bloody Maria because it has tequila. Um, oh, Lord. <laughs> so it's Tequila. Tequila. <laughs> it should be an interesting episode. Um, so as we posted yesterday, you make it with one and a half shots of tequila half cup of tomato juice, a tablespoon of lime juice, tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce. How do you say that, Sam? Because everyone says it I, differently. You know, I am notorious for not being able to pronounce things correctly. So, <laughs> yeah, I just call it like Worcestershire. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, literally everyone says that word differently. It's really funny. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. I feel like Worcestershire is correct. Worcestershire? I'm just like the hick that says Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's that shit that I mix with mayonnaise and dip my fries in. All right. So that. Um, <laughs> one teaspoon of Woogie hot sauce, which is a local hot sauce out of Lexington. Yes. Brief plug for Woogie hot sauce. It is a locally sourced, all-natural, gluten-free certified, vegan certified hot sauce brand here in Lexington. If you are interested in purchasing some Woogie sauce, you can go to woogiesauce.com, W-O-O-G-I-E sauce.com. We are using the red flavor of Mm -hmm. the hot sauce. It is the hottest flavor. So let me tell you folks, my lips are tingling from this (laughs) hot sauce. It's very good. It's very good. So. It's it's good. It's like thick. Like you can like taste the peppers in it. And yeah, I'm really happy that we got to incorporate this into this drink. Yeah. And then a bottle of Mexican beer, which I only used a half bottle because my glass wasn't very big. And then you can coat the rim with kosher salt and chili powder. So we posted our drink of the week recipe on Instagram. You can also find it on Facebook and our website. But yeah, this is actually my first time with a Bloody Mary yeah, slash Maria. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because you've never had a Bloody Mary. And no. I mean, I got to tell you, I'm a huge Bloody Mary advocate. Not so much at 9 p.m. I prefer them more at like brunch time. But, you know, <laughs> it's all for the cause. But I have never really had many Bloody Marias, like maybe once on the beach or something, especially with a cerveza on top, like mm-hmm. cerveza Mexican beer. So um, 
I chose, I just used like Jose Cuervo tequila and Negro Modella cerveza. And, you know, this drink looks like a fucking mistake. Like, it looks like you should not put this shit into your body. It honestly, but, though, like, so with my brunch, I'm a mimosa slash bellini type of gal, um, <laughs> which I'm sure is not a shock to anybody. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, mixing it, I didn't like it at first, but then I, like, stirred it together and added some celery to it. And... It's a lot better. I, I don't think actually I would like it with the vodka just because, like, I'm a more of a tequila person. It has a kick to it with that hot sauce, too. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I was a little skeptical, like, adding in the, like, lime juice and the Worcestershire. Because usually I get, like, a pre-made Bloody Mary mix if I'm going to go for it. Like, I don't usually make my own. Right. Uh, I can't – I think – what's it called it's like zing zang it's pretty yeah zing zang is what i usually get and it's like really solid bloody mary mix so if you kind of want to skimp out and just get the bloody mary mix and the tequila or whatever if you want to make this drink that's cool but we just decided to uh put our own spin on it and use the woogie sauce and you know i think i might actually prefer this over bloody mary's now that you say that like i like it a lot the zest from the tequila plus the little like what's the word (laughs) not bubbliness i'm tired (laughs) what is it (laughs) (laughs) i mean i used a corona so like i guess mine wasn't too bubbly or whatever but i don't know i really like it it's refreshing it honestly is like thick so like it's kind of like drinking soup this is pretty much doubling as my dinner i just need some celery sticks like you and i'll be set yeah, it's pretty pretty thick. The tomato juice definitely fills you up. If it is something that you're drinking for brunch or in the middle of the day, like <laughs> it's pretty heavy. I might change it. I might be a Bloody Maria gal now. I mean, I still will have a Bellini, but this might be my second beverage. I just wouldn't really recommend. Like, I've done the whole brunch thing before where I've gotten a Bloody Mary and then I followed that up with a mimosa. And I just, it's not a, it's not a good combo, <laughs> folks. I wouldn't recommend it. Afterwards, I felt like a piece of trash. So. Alrighty. Anyways. Well, let's jump right into content because um, it's going to be a doozy. Um, We've got a lot to get through. Yeah. So our question of the week was, what's your Patronus? So everyone knows mine and Sam's Patronuses. I'm a mink. I'm a gray squirrel. And we are coming to terms with our Patroni. Patronuses. We are reconciling our feelings. I'm really not sure what the plural is, but all right. Okay, so I'm just going to yeah. read our responses. So first response, a dolphin, a husky, a hedgehog, another husky, a What are all these fucking cute Patronuses? Someone said a fucking dog. First of all, you are so lucky. And yeah, never thank your lucky a... stars, pal, that you got a fucking dog as your yeah, fucking Patronus. I'm just going to okay? call him out. That was Chaz, and he needs to just come to terms with it. Ugh. It's because it's not a freaking, like, snake or something for I him. I know. Okay. Okay. Uh, a dragonfly. How cool is hmm. that? Yeah. Um, a wildcat. A weasel. You're in my mink family. <laughs> um, welcome to the club. A white stallion. That is majestic. That is majestic as fuck. Um, some sort of dumb dog. What is with all these negative dogs? What's a dumb dog? <laughs> what? 
All I right. would give anything to have a French bulldog Patronus, okay? If I had a pug, I'd be okay with that. Because, you know, pugs are small but mighty, and I know that August would have my back. So, <laughs> all right. A sphinx cat. At least gray squirrels That's aren't so cool. ugly. Okay, if I ever had a cat, and Sam, honestly, is probably like, what? You hate cats. But if I ever had a cat, I would have a sphinx cat. Wait, so. wait, 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 wait. That's a naked it? cat. Oh, I take it back. I don't think that's cool. I think that's ugly. Sorry. <laughs> I, I agree with so you. I agree with you. <laughs> I think they're so cute. I just see that cat from Austin Powers and it just makes me cringe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Another dolphin, a wild boar, a corgi. You are so oh, lucky. You win. Little corgi butt. Beck Sneet on Instagram. You win. Um, another husky, another dolphin, Lots a gray of squirrel. And, and dolphins. Oh, hey. Someone has Twins. one. Uh, We're so unoriginal. <laughs> another dolphin, a boar, a manx cat. We have a few more dolphins. A hippogriff. That's really cool. Yeah, and someone else got a thestral, right? Yeah. A yeah, king cobra. Crazy. Okay. An so otter. I'm jealous of that one. Someone said a slab of ribs. Oh. Okay. Do we get to choose food for our Patronus? I feel like mine would probably be a taco. An English bulldog. I've been told that's, that's cool. my spirit animal. I That's my next dog, so that's amazing. <laughs> um, a Newfoundland, a bloodhound, a weasel, a horse. So many cool dogs. Some sort of dinosaur that I don't want to butcher the name of. <laughs> Compsogonathus. Oh, I thought that one was a joke. Yeah, she said JK. Pottermore said some kind of cat. Pretty sure it'd be a trash panda, though. <laughs> okay a white swan a bunny an owl a unicorn so mm-hmm. a stag a lot of different Lots answers of we variety. have a lot of dogs and we have a lot of dolphins which is pretty interesting okay so question patronuses take the form and i said patronuses notice so that's just what came out so that's the plural, plural form okay. i don't know i mean that that's what rolled off my tongue. I, I've been wrestling with that, like, all week. But they take the form of, like, silvery, white, corporeal-looking mystical beings. So I'm like, how can you tell if it's a white horse or a bay mare? Like, what? Why? What's the distinction here if they're all silver? That's kind of confusing to me. Like, why is my know. squirrel gray? Why isn't it just a squirrel? Because, like, all of the colors are going to be silvery. <laughs> Yeah, right? that's a good point. I don't know how don't, to answer maybe that. Maybe it just, like, hobbles over to you and tells you, by the way, in case you were wondering, I'm actually a gray squirrel. I'm a gray squirrel. Like, oh, important distinction. Thank you. God forbid I thought you were a black squirrel. <laughs> we would have not gotten along. <laughs> what? Anyway. These are some strong Bloody Marias, man. Or hairs <laughs> of the dog, if you will. I think Samantha's already had a couple, but... Mm-hmm. Well, Anyways. this is East Coast time for Samantha. It's later, so yeah. we're <laughs> figuring that out. Notice we're calling me Samantha. It did Drunk Sam just come out and is taking the form of Samantha? I, I called like you that. Sammy the other day to my mom, and she was like, who? Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> I could see that happening. Okay, guys, we have got to get into content because we have a lot to get through. I'm so sorry. This is going to be a long episode, but I feel like it's important but, like, you're welcome because we were late, so I feel like a long episode makes up for that. Yeah. 
But I do think that it's important that we kind of remind everyone where we left off in our last deep dive. So we're going to pick back up with Harry and he's like freaking the fuck out over this truth that he just heard about Sirius Black. And they go back to the castle and he, quote, has a hatred such he had never known cursing through him like poison. And Hermione and Ron were trying to talk him out of acting rash or doing anything stupid. And Ron's like, so what are you saying? You want to, like, kill Black or something? And Harry does not respond. So I feel like his lack of response is a clear, resounding yes. I want to kill this motherfucker who betrayed my parents. (laughs) Like, he has never been so furious before. Like, radiating through him like poison is spreading in his veins. Um, so he's like fuming mad. And then after this um, kind of little conversation where Harry and Ron are trying to like put the fire out, they end up going to Hagrid's and learn the like bad news about Buckbeak. Right. And they all are like, yeah, we're going to help you, Hagrid. But Ron gets mad at Hermione again. And Harry receives the firebolt. And Hermione tells McGonagall about it. And that's pretty much. Yeah, where we left off. And honestly, that just kicks off the whole like climax of the book pretty much when Hermione does that. And then they're like fighting with Hermione. And then st- shit just starts happening. Like, I feel like when I started from chapter 12 on, which is where we're going to start today, like, I was like, all the shit in this book happens at the end. Like, I know, dude. What did we talk about last time? You know, I like, couldn't even put the book down to take notes. Like, I had to read through it and finish it and then go back and be like, okay, now what the fuck just happened here? Right. Because it was a lot. But right. But pretty much, we start off and Wood is now the one who's freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. But he's freaking out about this next Quidditch match and... The fact that, like, Harry doesn't have a broomstick yet. And Harry's like, look, I got a fireball for Christmas, but McGonagall took it away. And was like, oh, hold the phone. I'm going to go talk to McGonagall about this. She's got a C sense. She wants Gryffindor to win just as much as we do. Like, right. listen, I got this. I got this. And then Harry also begins taking his Patronus lessons with Lupin. And Lupin says that the Patronus is a kind of positive force, a projection of the very thing that the Dementors feed upon, hope, happiness, the desire to survive. But it cannot feel despair, as real humans can. So Dementors can't hurt it. Mm -hmm. I also found this on page 175. Um, Hermione already is hinting that she knows what Lupin is. And this is something I never picked up on before. But, like, did now. Mm-hmm. So, this is where it starts. Still looks ill, doesn't he, said Ron, as they walked down the corridor heading to dinner. What do you reckon the, what do you reckon's the matter with him? There was a loud and impatient t- from behind them. It was Hermione, who had been sitting at the feet of a suit of armor, repacking her bag, which was so full of books it wouldn't close. And what are you tutting at us for, said Ron irritably. Nothing, said Hermione, a lofty voice, heaving her bag over her shoulder. Yes, you were, said Ron. I said, I wonder what's wrong with Lupin, and you, well, it, isn't it obvious, said Hermione, with a look of maddening superiority. (laughs) If you don't want to tell us, don't, snapped Ron. Fine, said Hermione haughtily as she marched off. She doesn't know, said Ron, staring resentfully towards Hermione. She's just trying to get us to talk to her again. So, I mean, Hermione is, like, 
so smart. Like, yes, she says later when she figured it out, but I guess I never right. really realized that she, like, literally, like, the second that it just all clicks in her mind so quickly, you know? So that's just yeah. a little as Easter soon as egg they that. set the essay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little Easter egg that J.K. Rowling puts in there for us that you really wouldn't pick up on at all. Yeah. I feel like there were a lot of moments as I was rereading this that I never really noticed before. Like, I just glazed over. Right. I have one later on that I remember, but we'll get to. But yeah, I, I do love that too, that she picked up on that. And it's just like another nod to her just mm-hmm. being the smartest witch of her age. But then, yeah, Harry starts his Patronus lessons. Right. So Harry, I think this is important because up until this point, Harry has only really heard his mother screaming whenever yeah. the Dementors come and he like is trying to produce a Patronus. And this time he actually goes so far as he hears his father's voice for the first time after mm-hmm. he like passes out again and he wakes up with tears on his face as he tells Lupin about what he heard. It's on this whole like this whole situation with Harry and the Dementors. I feel like if you don't feel for Harry before like you really feel for him now because he's having to relive this the worst moment of his whole life that he's obviously suppressed because you don't really remember anything from that part of your life. Mm-hmm. But like it's a constant reminder. But I really liked though um, when Lupin asked like you heard James like and Harry's like yeah did you know him and he's like yeah we were friends at Hogwarts and I think it's like then Harry's starting to make the connection that. Yes, Lupin is a great mentor, but he was also one of his dad's best friends. And, mm-hmm. like, he truly cares about Harry. And, like, Harry's just not really used to that. So I think that this is kind of the beginning for Harry of, like, a beautiful friendship and mentorship with Lupin. Yeah. And especially, like, if he had any reservations before or, like, felt any sort of distrust for, towards him before, which I don't think he did. But I think that this just solidified the fact that if Harry's dad was friends with Lupin and trusted him, then right. Harry can be safe to do that as Yeah, because, well. like, Lupin, you know, he's a shady kind of guy sometimes. Like, he just disappears and At least his, like, outward appearance, Ill. yeah. Right, and so, you know, I think any 13-year-old kid would be a little weary of him at times, not all the time, but at times. And um, I think now, like Sam said, like, this kind of just solidifies the fact that, like, all right, my dad trusted this guy, like, I, I can too. So right. I just think it's beautiful, too, that he's just, like, getting to know his parents through Lupin in this book and then later Sirius on a deeper level that he never would have gotten to learn about. Other, like, you know, because everyone just told him about the physical things. Right. Right. And I think, like, that's also a big moment for Harry when he leaves Lupin's office and he's realizing, like, the part of him is stopping himself from producing this Patronus because part of him wants to hear his parents and he's realizing that he's torn between wanting to produce a Patronus and wanting to hear his parents' voices again. Right. So on his way back, he's talking to himself and he tells himself sternly, they're dead. They're dead. Mm -hmm. And listening to echoes of them won't bring them back. You better get a grip on yourself if you want to win that Quidditch Cup, which... Let's remember the whole reason he's going through this is so Dementors don't attack him again at the Quidditch pitch and he, like, falls off his broom and almost dies again. Right. Um, and then Wood comes in with one of my favorite passages from this 
entire book, probably. Um, on page 181, back in the Gryffindor common room, Wood catches up with Harry, and he says, Bad news, Harry. I've just been to see Professor McGonagall about the Firebolt. She, uh, got a bit shirty with me. <laughs> Told me I got my priorities wrong. Seemed to think I cared more about winning the cup than I do about you staying alive. Just because I told her I didn't care if it threw you off as long as you caught the snitch on it first. <laughs> <laughs> I can just, I feel like shirty is the most, like, awesome adjective ever to describe Professor McGonagall. Yeah. And <laughs> I just love this whole passage because I feel like it really shows how important this Quidditch match is to the entire, like, Gryffindor team because wood is putting so much pressure on everybody to the point where Harry's just like oh my god like i get it i know i need to catch the fucking snitch or we're not even gonna have a chance of winning the quidditch cup and right you know he's he's a panicked man like this is his last chance to win the quidditch cup Pan- like he's a panicked man that's like <laughs> the best best description of wood he is a desperate, desperate man. Harry is his last chance, because let's be real. Like, if they don't have Harry, they're not winning shit. Right. And if Harry doesn't catch the snitch, they have no chance ever, okay? They haven't won for years. <laughs> so he's like, this is my last goddamn wish at this godforsaken school. Just get me the freaking snitch! <laughs> I just... I Just take a second to, like, love Oliver Wood, okay? Like... This man has literally, I guess he's not even a man. This boy has seen, (laughs) like, some shit. Like, Harry, at this point, has been on the Quidditch team for three years. He has seen Harry almost die, like, twice. And he's still like, you know what? I really don't care. All I care about is Quidditch. Like, you can keep your personal problems personal. (laughs) But, like, I really don't. This is the only thing I care about. This is all all I have. (laughs) Ball. Ball is life. You really, yeah. (laughs) What a jock. Um, he is such a jock. But then I love him, though. Professor McGonagall uh, magically gives him the firebolt back with right before the match. And I I think that she, like, winks at him a little bit when she does it. Like, oh, yeah, we totally got this all checked out before. <laughs> like, you can, <laughs> she was probably, like, with Flitwick when he was checking it. She was like, you need to get this fucking done. Like, Gryffindor needs to win. Like, she was just, like, going in on him. Oh, don't worry. We'll get our fair share of McGonagall Gryffindor pride. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the the months are kind of fading, and Harry keeps going back to Lupin for lessons. And I did think it was kind of important on page 183 when Lupin is describing to Harry what a Dementor's kiss is, which um, I think we talked about before, like... And this might have been in our Patreon episode. We were talking about, like, the equivalent of, like, execution or the death penalty. And we said that it was pretty much just a mentor's kiss, which leaves you just pretty much soulless. And Harry tells Lupin that he really believes that Sirius Black deserves to get the mentor's kiss, which Mm -hmm. will be important later. And then Lupin replies with, does he? Which I think is, like, mm, if you don't love Lupin before, man, his compassion for other people. Like, yes, Sirius was his Mm -hmm. best friend. But at this point, he also thinks that Sirius is the reason his other two best friends were murdered. And, 
like Harry was almost murdered. And he yeah. still doesn't think he deserves it. I mean, what But I a still man. feel like Lupin has had his suspicions about the whole, like, scenario this whole time. Like, unanswered. Oh, yeah, probably. But, like, still. Like, what a compassionate person. Yeah. Like, ugh, I love him. All right. I mean, he doesn't... He comes from such a place of, like, people not accepting him and thinking that he deserves right. the death penalty. You know, that, like, if anyone is going to be kind of understanding of someone else in the in those shoes it's definitely going to be lupin i just love him i know i do too but yeah then harry gets his firebolt back like we said and it's gryffindor versus ravenclaw and lee jordan it's his time to shine <laughs> i love time to dig in. lee jordan back up and put him on the page yes it is and time for quidditch we also meet cho chang um, mm-hmm. which I, okay, I Bitch, love I that. Bitch, I ain't Cho Chang. Bitch, I ain't Cho Chang. I, <laughs> 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 we need to post it on our social media. Okay, I so, know. um, <laughs> oh my God. So, yeah, um, I really like how this book introduces Cedric and Cho before, um, the Goblet of Fire. I said yes, that last episode was Cedric. Very but- integral. I really mm-hmm. like that they do that, and I like how, I mean, we mentioned this in the Valentine's Day episode, I believe. Harry is so into jocks. Like, he loves mm-hmm. a strong, athletic woman. Like, he is so impressed by Cho because of her Quidditch abilities, which I think is just darling. Um, yeah, though he does know that she's very pretty as well. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, she is. But it's Clear. just funny because, like, he's also so distracted by her. Like, yes, the she whole game. smiles at him, and he's just like gets off of his game, and like all this, and I don't well, know. Well, he's it's trying just, to play like delicately around right. her. Like and he notices that like, she's just trailing him, and like, like trying to like care. watch Knock what he's off doing. Her broom. Yeah, it's like not time to be a gentleman, Harry. <laughs> okay, but I just love that you get to see even in the midst of all of like the bullshit that's going on in Harry's life, we get to see him like start develop his first little crush, which is just. It's cute. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Definitely. And it definitely comes more into play in the next book. Mm-hmm. But as he's chasing after the snitch, um, thanks to Cho kind of like trailing him around, he sees it and he dived again. And Cho, thinking he'd seen the snitch, tried to follow. Harry pulled out of the dive very sharply. She hurtled downwards. He rose fast as a bullet once more and then saw it. For a third time, the snitch was glittering away above the pitch at the Ravenclaw end. He accelerated. So many feet below did Cho. He was winning, gaining on the snitch with every second. Then, oh, screamed Cho, pointing. Distracted, Harry looked down. Three Dementors, three tall, black, hooded Dementors were looking up at him. He didn't stop to think, plunging a hand down the neck of his robes. He whipped out his wand and roared, Expecto Patronum! Something silver-white, something enormous erupted from the end of his wand. He knew it had shot directly at the Dementors, but didn't pause to watch. His mind still miraculously clear, he looked... He looked ahead. He was nearly there. He stretched out a hand, still grasping his wand, and just managed to close his fingers over the small, struggling snitch. So this is like Harry at his prime, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he just fucking performs when he needs to. Yep. He does, and he's very good under pressure. And then the celebration of all celebration. Wood starts kissing him and calling, that's my boy. <laughs> that's my boy. <laughs> Ron and even Hermione, they're so fucking proud. And Hagrid's yeah. proud. And McGonagall is, she is proud. Very yeah. proud. 
And they party into the night. But yeah, and then they have a huge party, which I think is just awesome. Like, <laughs> and they yeah. do show this, I guess, this is what they do well in the Half-Blood Prince movie, which I can't believe I'm about to say this, but <sighs> is that they show this kind of celebration, right? And this is when Lavender and Ron kiss in the movie. Um, yeah. But, like, it's important to point out that, like, they've been having this, like, for a while. They just don't show it. And I just think it's, like, like such a good literally thing. every time they want a Quidditch match. Right. And I think <laughs> it's important to show, like, their house pride. I think it's just important because that was, like, their family when they were there. Yeah. They're up all night celebrating until finally McGonagall comes in in her tartan dressing gown to tell them all to <laughs> go to bed. Yes. And then, of course, some shit happens because Harry can't be happy for long. So Ron is awoken and sees Sirius standing over his bed with a knife and obviously is scarred by that because who wouldn't be? I mean, a man who's been in Azkaban for 12 years shows up at the foot of your bed and has a knife in his hand? Like, no thank you. Um, right. And so everyone's, like, telling him it, it was a nightmare, it was a nightmare, and he's like, it wasn't. And Sir Cardigan confirms it. And Sir Cardigan, do you think that he, like, I just feel like it'd be a lot cuter if he had, like, a cardigan on. His name is Cadigan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yes... <laughs> It should be Sir Cardigan. Okay, so Sir Cardigan lets him in, but then all no- it's oh my god, it's revealed that Neville is the reason because he dropped his list of passwords. So mm-hmm. everyone's mad at Neville, and of course they had to make Neville. Neville like the Dumbo character, which oh, I feel for him. But then Ron is like loving this like this is yes. ron's moment like he, ron he is was a attacked. celebrity for once yes. in his life he is yeah. absolutely Clearly eating this attention it. up mm-hmm. like loving it so much whereas neville on the other hand really got some bad punishment like it was harsh from mcgonagall she's like no more hogsmeade's visits you've got detention no one's allowed to tell him any passwords to the common room, so yeah, he has he had to, to like, stand wait outside, outside for someone to let him in. Plus, he got a howler from his grand, which is the worst thing any Hogwarts student could receive over breakfast. Right, so, and I mean, I like, kind of guy. understand the punishment had to be severe, but like, at least give him a password to use. I don't know. I feel like the humiliation enough would be enough for him to be like, oh, whoops, probably shouldn't write down the password. Yeah, anymore. he already felt bad, so. Yeah. Shame. 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 Oh, Game of Thrones. (laughs) All right. So then they go down to visit Hagrid. And basically Hermione was the only one helping Hagrid because Mm -hmm. Harry and Ron had, like, forgotten that they were his friend, apparently, and that he really needed their help. But, you know, of course, Hermione... Well, they were so consumed with the Firebolt and Quidditch that they didn't care about anything else. Hermione taking on more than she can handle even more mm-hmm. was helping him with the case yeah i love that he just kind of speaking of shame like he does like straight shame them for how oh, they've he been does. acting he's like i gotta tell you i thought you two value your friends more than broomsticks or rats that's all but that's some like straight facts shame, shame. like they deserve to be shamed in that moment they really do. Yes. Because she's trying her best. from Hagrid. It came like, from the best of intentions. Like, she didn't want her best friend to be thrown to his death off a broom when she's already seen 
a rogue bludger come, you know? Like, I mean, she's already seen Harry go through so much. She doesn't want his life to be miserable. She doesn't want him to get hurt. Like, I mean, being yeah, a good friend. This, this whole book, she's just looking out for him. She's like, yes, like, it's kind of annoying. And she's like, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell. But she's also going to tell because Harry sometimes has a tendency to be reckless and she right. doesn't want him to get fucking murdered by this, like, murderous villain on the loose. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, you should have a friend like that who's going to be like, yo, bitch, I care about your safety. So if you try to do anything stupid, yeah, I'm going to tell someone who can stop you because clearly you're not listening to me. I feel like I'm that friend. I feel a little cold. Uh, yeah. I feel um, like you are, too. But this is why we're good friends, right? And Sam I'm was, like, gonna... pointing to me through the phone, like, that's you, bitch. Like, right. But, like, you, you know, I would do the same thing for you. So, oh, like, I'd, you know, that's just being a good friend. Like, that's what makes a good, like, if you have your best friend's like, best, best interest, interest at, heart. at heart, like, that, in, anyways, thank you. Right. Um. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So then Harry decides to sneak to Hogsmeade again. He is kind Despite of caught in the act. Hermione saying, I'm going to tell. Yeah. Um, he's kind of caught in the act by Snape, but then gets past him. And then this is when he throws mud at Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle. A little bit of mud throwing. Never hurt nobody. And then the worst thing happens. Malfoy sees his head pop out of his invisibility cloak. So he has to haul fucking ass all the way back <laughs> to the castle. Knees to chest, bitch. Knees back to, to chest, bitch. Knees to chest. So he is running there. And then, of course, who's waiting for him? None other than Snivelly Snape. And, yeah, yeah, he catches him, and, like, clearly Harry's in trouble, and Snape's just, Oh, wait, hold on, no. We gotta do this line. How extraordinarily like your father you are, Potter. That's what I was exactly about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. Snape said suddenly, his eyes glinting. He, too, was exceedingly arrogant, a small amount of talent on the Quidditch pitch made him think he was cut above the rest of us, too. Strutting around the place with his friends and admirers, the resemblance between you is uncanny. My dad didn't strut, nor do I. <laughs> Snape continues to shit-talk Harry's dad. And Harry explodes again. Shut up! Shut up about my dad! I know the truth, all right? He saved your life! Dumbledore told me! You wouldn't even be here if it weren't for my dad! And did the headmaster tell you the circumstances in which your father saved my life, he whispered? Or did he consider the details too unpleasant for precious Potter's delicate ears? <laughs> I hate to tell... <laughs> I would hate you to run away with a false idea of your father, Potter. You said a terrible grin, twisting his face. Have you been imagining some act of glorious heroism? Then he let me correct you. Your saintly father and his friends played a highly amusing joke on me that would have resulted in my death if your father hadn't gotten cold feet at the last moment. There was nothing brave about what he did. He was saving his own skin as much as mine. Had their joke succeeded, he would have been expelled from Hogwarts. And then his uneven yellowish teeth were bared. This is like Ugh. my issue with Snape. Like, don't take it out on a kid. That's going to be my issue with Snape until kingdom come. Like, I get that, like, James was awful to him, 100%. But, like, just saying, like, you're your father just because you hate his father, like, that's a bit much. Also, like, my dad didn't strut. Iconic. I want a shirt that says that. (laughs) Like, sassy Harry gives me absolute life. Like, he's slowly becoming my favorite character. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally get where Harry's coming from in all this, and I feel like I would feel the exact same way if someone was, like, insulting my parents without me, like, really knowing anything about it. And then Snape, like, tells him, turn out your pocket spotter, and Harry has to give over his, like, various Zonko's products and, of course, the map, which just looks like a spare bit of old parchment. Spare bit of parchment! Yeah, uh, Snape is not convinced, so they go to his office, and he, like, calls Lupin, the goat, via flu powder, and Lupin, like, comes in his office, and he shows him the map, and Lupin, like, shoots Harry this, like, warning look, like, don't interrupt me, bitch, I got this. (laughs) Yeah, bitch. And and he pretty much covers up for Harry, saying it just looks like a trick piece of parchment that insults whomever tries to open it, and is probably a Zonko product, if you had to guess. Which, you know, obviously he knows what it is. And right. uh, Ron, like, burst in at the right moment. He's completely <laughs> out of breath and stopped just short of Snape's desk, clutching the stitch in his chest and trying to speak. I gave Harry that stuff, but in a Zonko's ages ago. <laughs> also, like, obviously Harry's guilty because, like, how would he have right. talked to Ron? Right, but valiant effort, my dude. Oh, my guy. But then... Lupin is just like, okay, well, I think that I need a word about my vampire essay, so excuse us, Severus, and then they leave, and again, Harry faces some more shame, because Lupin says, don't expect me to cover up for you again, Harry. I cannot make you take Sirius Black seriously, but I would have thought that what you have heard when the Dementors draw near you would have had more of an effect on you. Your parents gave their lives to keep you alive, Harry. A poor way to repay them, gambling their sacrifice for a bag of magic tricks. We should just name this episode Shame. Right. Um, Forget Dementor, Dementor. This is Shame. 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 But then Hermione reveals that Buckbeak is going to be executed, and that kind of allows the Buckbeak's trio to make... Buckbeak's been sentenced to death! <laughs> <laughs> Like, I have a really, when I laugh really hard, sometimes it's just, I don't make any sound and it creeps Sam out. Um, but anyway, the trio makes up, which we all saw coming. Um, They're going to fight again, but, you know, at least a little bit of time where they're not at each other's throats. Right. But they, like, make up because of, um... Buckbeak. Well, Ron saying that, you know what, we're going to... like fight this whatever and Hermione completely breaks down and throws her arms around Ron when he says he's gonna help find an appeal to Buckbeak's sentencing and Mm -hmm. he looks terrified and then relieved when she lets go of him because she's like he's like "Uh uh-oh yeah and you know this this is another thing that like I feel like when you're reading you don't you just glaze over it like you don't really like take it for what it is Right. And th- this is just another nod to their, like, budding crushes Romance. on each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then Malfoy is walking around being an asswipe. Um, but here we go. <laughs> Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle have been standing just inside the castle doors listening, listening to Hagrid um, crying. Have you ever seen anything quite as pathetic, said Malfoy, and he's supposed to be our teacher. Harry and Ron both made furious moves towards Malfoy, but Hermione got there first. Smack! 
She had slapped Malfoy around the face with all the strength she could muster. Malfoy staggered. Harry, Ron, Crabbe, and Goyle stood flabbergasted as Hermione raised her hand again. Don't you dare call Hagrid pathetic, you foul, you evil. Hermione, said Ron weakly as he tried to grab her hand as she swung it back. Get off, Ron. Hermione pulled out her wand. Malfoy stepped backwards. Crabbe and Goyle looked at him for instructions, thoroughly bewildered. Come on, Malfoy muttered. And the next moment, all three of them had disappeared into the passageway to the dungeons. Epic. Just epic flex by her. My bitch, she snapped. <laughs> and she had had about enough of his lip. And she was not gonna let him badmouth her friend. Mm-mm. This is just the start of Hermione's just, like, breaking point. Yeah. Because even more than that, she... And divination in their next divination lesson, she's just like, yep. you know what? I don't have time for this bitch and her bullshit anymore. She calls the bitch time, out. Period. I don't have time at all, ever, right now. Especially not from this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, well, Professor Trelawney is trying to protect, like, the Grimm again, like she always does. My dear, Professor Trelawney breathed, gazing up at Harry. It is here, plainer than ever before, my dear. Stalking towards you, growing even closer. The gr- oh, for goodness sake, says Hermione loudly. <laughs> Not that ridiculous grim again. Professor Trelawney raises her enormous eyes to Hermione's face. Pavarti whispers something to Lavender, and they both glared at Hermione, too. Professor Trelawney stood up, surveying Hermione with an unmistakable anger. I am sorry to say, dear, that from the moment you have arrived in my class... It has been apparent that you do not have what the noble art of divination requires. Indeed, I don't remember ever meeting a student whose mind was so hopelessly mundane. There was a moment's silence. Then, fine, said Hermione suddenly, getting up and cramming, unfogging the future back into her bag. Fine, she repeated, swinging the bag over her shoulder and almost knocking Ron off his chair. I give up. I'm leaving. And to the whole class's amazement, Hermione strode over to the trap door, kicked it open, and climbed down the ladder out of sight. She's Again. like, bye, bitch. My I'm bitch out. snapped. <laughs> yeah. She was like, no, thank you, crazy bitch. I don't Ain't nobody got time anymore. for that. Ain't nobody got time. Nope. Not no one's going to die. You're being ridiculous. You need to calm the fuck down. Like, I can't handle you. You're being, you're at a 10. You need to be at a 2. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> brilliant mm-hmm. another strong flex by Hermione yes which will come more often now yeah so then we move into the Quidditch final well he wakes up first I just want to point out this little point that Harry wakes up from a bad dream the night before the Quidditch final and you know no wonder with all this pressure that was been putting on him like only if we are more than 50 points up, Harry, or we win the match but lose the cup. You've got it. You've got that, haven't you? You must only catch the snitch if we are 50 points up. And he's like, God, shut the fuck up, dude. I get it. <laughs> dude, I've defeated Voldemort, like, three times now, so, like, I'm cool. I think I know what you're saying to me. I understand English. Um, but he wakes up, and he sees Crookshanks out on the lawn, just slinking along, and then he sees Crookshanks meet and trot alongside a black shaggy dog. The Grim, you know if you will. It breaks my little heart. But yeah, then we move into the Quidditch final. But just to interject right there, I think that there, if there was ever proof of Crookshanks being Lily's cat, um, I think it is shown here. 
I think it is shown in how Crookshanks yeah. gravitated towards Padfoot. Yeah. Um, that was, like, my – that's the reason why I, like, noted it. It's just, like, yeah. they keep kind of playing up Crookshanks a lot in this book. And, like, later on, they're like, yeah, it's a freaking smart cat. Like, you know, they don't ever say anything. Like, right. But I think that Crookshanks is, like, half another magical creature, too. So – Maybe they just think that, like, there's no way that it's the same cat if they thought that it was only a cat that could have survived. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Then we move on to the Quidditch final, and it is a straight battle because of yes. all the, like, illegal and fouls and penalties. I fucking love that he beats out Malfoy just because Malfoy's a pompous asshole. So, go, 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 Harry urged his broom. They were gaining on Malfoy. Harry flattened himself to the broom handle as Bolt sent a bludger at him. He was at Malfoy's ankles. He was level. Harry threw himself forwards, taking both hands off his broom, knocked Malfoy's arm out of the way, and yes, he pulled out a dive, his hand in the air, and the stadium exploded. Harry soared above the crowd, an odd ringing in his ears. The tiny golden ball was held tight in his fist, beating its wings hopelessly against his fingers. Then Wood was speeding towards him, (laughs) half-blinded by tears. He seized Harry around the neck and sobbed. Oh, sobbed unrestrainedly into his shoulder. Harry felt two large thumps as Fred and George hit them. Then Angelina, Alicia, and Katie's voices, We've won the cup! We've won the cup! Tingled together in a mangy arm hug, and the (laughs) the Gryffindor team sank, yelling hoarsely, back to earth. Wave upon wave of crimson supporters was pouring over the barriers onto the pitch. Hands were raining down on their backs. Harry had a confused impression of noise and bodies pressing in on him. Then he and the rest of the team were hoisted onto the shoulders of the crowd. Thrust into the light, he saw Haggard, plastered with crimson rosettes. You beat him, Harry! You beat him! Wait till I tell Buckbeak! There was Percy, jumping up and down like a maniac, all dignity forgotten. Professor McGonagall sobbing harder... Pause here, okay? This bitch, sobbing harder than wood... Wiping her eyes with an enormous Gryffindor flag. She's that bitch. She's that bitch. And then this, I think, is the best part of this whole thing. And there, fighting their way towards Harry, or Ron and Hermione, words failed them. They simply beamed as Harry was borne through the stands where Dumbledore stood waiting with the enormous Quidditch cup. If only there had been a Dementor around. As a sobbing wood passed Harry the cup, as he lifted into the air, Harry felt he could have produced the world's best Patronus. I don't know. I feel like McGonagall sobbing into the Gryffindor flag is the most Gryffindor I mean, thing I've ever yes. heard in my entire fucking life. Yes, that is the most Gryffindor thing on this And just planet. proof that she cares a lot about this sport. So the fact that she checked out that the, the Firebolt before. The kids, the house. Yeah, like she, she cares a lot about Quidditch. But I I just love that over all of this and all of these people praising him and all of this excitement, he just looks out for Ron and Hermione. And they're just so proud of him. And not proud of him for beating Voldemort, but just proud of him for doing a good job and winning and just being... He's just, they're just proud of their friend. And I, I don't know. I just think it's beautiful. And I think this is J.K. Rowling at her finest. Yeah this whole chapter i I don't know i i cried Mm -hmm. yeah i mean this moment when everybody's crying it's like so easy to just kind of like shed a 
tear of joy along with them. Yeah. Especially when Wood hands the cup to Harry, like something that he has worked mm-hmm. so dearly for his entire seven years so at Hogwarts. For. He gives it to Harry because, like, obviously Harry is the one who earned this for them. Deserves it. And he lifts it into But the I air. literally was on the plane just, like, bawling at this. And I have read this, what, probably 20 times? Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, my old copy of this, I had to stop reading it and switch to the, a new one because it was literally falling apart. Like, pages were coming out. Yeah. But it's just, I I cry every single time I read that because Harry, this he's fine. Yeah. But then soon after that, the euphoria fades from winning the Quidditch World Cup as exams are starting up. And it sucks because it's getting nice outside and all anyone wants to do is just like lounge around and play gobstones and whatnot. Um, but everybody's like mm-hmm. studying all the time and they've got all these tests coming up. And um, there is one spot on page 233 that I just like noted because it was another one of those little moments that you know you don't really notice a lot or take a lot of note of before but it's when um I don't know I just thought it was funny that Ron had to be taken to a quiet room for an hour because Harry overdid his cheering charm in his exam and I'm just like picturing Ron just like in a quiet room just like yeah woo! just going fucking nuts for an hour i'm just picturing how we get like when it's way too late yeah just and we just can't <laughs> stop laughing and that's i will that's be I at think. that point soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then they have their divination mm-hmm. final um and harry friggin potter predicts the fucking future look at that he could be a seer i guess you know so yeah, he <laughs> predicts that Buckbeak is gonna be fine. Yeah, and Professor Trevani's like, no, his head's cut off. Are right? Are you sure you didn't see a swing of an axe, dear boy? And Harry's <laughs> like, no, he's he's flying off to freedom. Yeah, and I just I think that that's like such a cool thing because you know like Harry the whole year is like really struggling and he's like I don't know what the hell to do, and. He ends up predicting what's going to happen well, at the end like of the book. he's, like, making it up, right? But maybe it's more just, like, a play on if you really will something to happen, you can make it happen. Right. Right. But Trelawney actually has a prediction, like, the second actual real prediction of her entire life. Yeah. That the Dark Lord's servant will break free before midnight and be reunited with him. Once and... more! <laughs> I really apologize if you're listening with headphones and that. <laughs> Oh, this entire episode. I mean, sorry. But then Harry doesn't really have much time to process this because he gets a letter from Hagrid that Buckbeak is going to be executed at sunset. So the three of them go to see Hagrid before it happens and Hermione, they're all like in Hagrid's hut and, you know, he's just kind of obviously really upset. And Hermione sees Scabbers just in Hagrid's hut and returns him to Ron. Right. And, you know, that's kind of a big moment because, like, here's your freaking rat bro that you accused my cat of killing. You know, but he's alive. And he's like, what are you talking about? She carried the milk jug over to the table and turned it upside down. With a frantic squeak and much scrambling to get back inside, Scabbers the rat came sliding out onto the table. Scabbers, said Ron blankly. Scabbers, what are you doing here? He grabbed the struggling rat and held him up to the light. Scabbers looked dreadful. 
He was thinner than ever, large tufts of hair had fallen out, leaving wide, bald patches, and he writhed in Ron's hands as though desperate to free himself. It's okay, scabbers, said Ron. No cats, there's nothing to hurt you. Oh, buddy, how wrong you are. Honestly, scabbers has described how I feel after my two weeks of working and doing school (laughs) full time. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you don't have bald spots yet, my love. Not yet. Not yet. They're probably (laughs) coming. But anyway, then Sirius Black happens. Well, they have to sneak out the back of Hagrid's. And they kind of, like, see the executioning party coming down. And they sneak out the back. And the whole time, Scabbers is, like, trying to get away from Ron. Like, Ron's trying to, like, shove him in his pocket. And he's like, no. And he, um, like, tries to get out. And they... The three of them watch Buckbeak get his head brutally chopped off. Or if they think that they do. Yeah. Scabbers bites Ron and scampers away. Crookshanks chasing off after him and Ron after Crookshanks and then Harry and Hermione after Ron. Um, But before they could catch up to Ron, Sirius, the big black dog, grabs Ron and drags him away into the entrance of the, like, tunnel to the shrieking shack under the Whomping Willow. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, there's a little, like, struggle with, like, the branches of the Whomping Willow, and then finally Crookshanks just kind of, like, marches up to the knot on the tree and presses it, which makes the limbs stop moving so that Harry and Hermione can just kind of set off after Crookshanks and follow him to Ron and Sirius. So there's, like, another thing that Crookshanks is very huge in this book, like, way right. more than I ever gave him credit for before. Yeah. So then they're in the Shrieking Shack, and Harry has a moment on page 249 where he is, like, a thousand percent about to Avada Kedavra, Sirius Black. Right. Like, he's had about enough, and if they take his wand, he's going to use his bare hands. And I think this is a side of Harry that we've literally never seen before, because even, you know, Voldemort's one thing, right? He did kill his parents, but, like, Sirius Black in Harry's mind right now? betrayed his parents like that's so it's much the reason worse. that they got yes killed. yeah and he was their best friend and so like harry has had enough at this point and he is going for it yeah and then i feel like i'm getting really like jonathan venice right now <laughs> so he's just like going for it yeah there's like a mad brawl mm-hmm. but harry ends up back with his wand because sirius had disarmed them when they came in he was like hiding right. disarmed them so harry gets his wand back and um Sirius, he like points it at Sirius and Sirius tells Harry that he doesn't know the whole story and like he doesn't know what he's doing and then Crookshanks sits on top of Sirius and like kind of makes Harry pause for a second. He's like, oh, well I don't care about a damn cat. Like I can still kill right. this guy. Like what's a cat gonna do to stop me? Um, but it's just a long enough of an internal struggle to struggle to struggle. Hair of the dog. Hair and the dog. Um, an internal struggle of whether or not to kill Sirius. And, like, it's long enough that Lupin bursts in and disarms Harry before he can make up his mind to do it. Yeah. And then, you know, they're trying to get the whole story to come out. But then I think the thing that pisses me off the most in this whole chapter, and I get it because, like, it's very much a stigma, obviously, but how Ron then starts to treat Lupin. So he tells him over and over, get away from me, werewolf. And that's just like, is so, it's like not Ron, you know? It's like a, 
some judgmental little prick over it's like Malfoy overtook his body for a second you know because he's like been raised to be terrified of werewolves yeah and if you listen to our episode last week he just like really didn't know Lupin that well yet I guess to like break that stigma but it's interesting that Bill ends up you know attacked by I don't know it's just it's not a good look yeah I mean I think that you can just kind of like chalk that up to right now ron being terrified his leg broken and i mean yes yes but i just expect more of him i guess yeah but i think that also was just to like really kind of drive home the fact of like the stigma around lupin being a werewolf and like ron was the most logical person to do it because he's the one who grew up in the wizarding world with that stigma and like knows what it means to like use that word at somebody in that way yeah i mean that makes sense i just i guess i just i i I expect more from ron right but then like hermione is like yeah i've known for forever since snape's at the essay and he's like oh well all right you are the brightest witch of your age yeah he'll be delighted yeah and then he reveals that he is Mooney. Mm-hmm. So here comes the backstory of Mooney Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, which next week, just get ready for my rant. Yeah. they. I mean, it's like really drawn out backstory and a lot of like getting it is. to the bottom of everything. And basically, like just to summarize it, unless you wanted to read the whole thing. I don't think, I think we would be another hour here if I wanted to read the whole thing. But to summarize, um, they were just the four best friends anyone could ever have. And they found out about Lupin being a werewolf and they wanted to be with him. So they became unregistered animagi. Mm -hmm. The Shrieking Shack was where Lupin used to go and transform and that it was never haunted. Those were just his screams. And for a while, he wasn't even... He didn't even think of himself as a werewolf, so he could, like, run off and have adventures in this animal form because, you know, Prongs and Padfoot could take him on if need be because they were larger animals. Yeah. But my favorite thing is when they're like, Sirius is Padfoot, Peter is Wormtail, James was Prongs. What sort of animal? Harry began. Wait, because in this very intense situation, tell me more about my daddy. (laughs) Yeah, like, what animal is he? Like, he literally doesn't know that he was a stag. Like, you can't put two and two together, obviously, until the end. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But I just love it, and I... I I won't go too into it, because I could literally, like I said, talk to you probably for an hour just about this chapter, but... Right. I... I don't know. There's just such a beautiful thing about it's it sucks that this is a situation in which harry is learning this much about his father but Mm -hmm. i think that it's beautiful that his two best friends are coming together to convince harry like look we're on your side we're here for you like we did not betray your parents and like here's some backstory about your dad and how like great of a friend he was right which i think is why it was so important to set up before that Harry could trust Lupin, and then when Lupin, like, comes in and, like, quickly puts together what really happened that day between Sirius and Peter, and then, like, proceeds to embrace Sirius like a brother, that should be, like, a clue for Harry, like, okay, this dude who I've been trusting this whole year and was clearly friends with my dad, like, trust this guy, so for them to have, like, a brotherly love that is so strong, I feel like, you know, should, should ring clear and loud in Harry's brain that... 
And then this is the truth. Snape comes and tries to fuck it up because he is blinded by hatred and, you know, is just Snape. Yeah. But before that, they tell Harry a little bit more about what actually happened with Snape and Sirius mm-hmm. at Hogwarts and how um, Sirius almost got Snape killed by Lupin by telling him how to get into the tunnel on a night that Lupin had transformed because Snape was always like constantly trying to like pin them for stuff. And one night he saw Lupin crossing the grounds with Madame Pomfrey before he was going to transform. And if not for James hearing about this and like running after Snape and stopping him and pulling him back out of the tunnel, then he probably would have gotten killed by Lupin. But it was too late and Snape had seen Lupin. And ever since then, he felt like Lupin was in on it and was like trying to kill him too. And that's when, like, Snape's like, ha-ha, you're right. That's why I hate you. Right. And then they make Peter come out of his anime guy state. After jinxing Snape, all three of the trio, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Doing something that they could literally get expelled for. Yeah. Um, So, and even Hermione doing it, like... Oh, yeah, she freaks out afterwards. She's like, oh, God, what yeah. did I just do? <laughs> she literally has a panic mistake, attack. Mistake, mistake, I take it back. Okay, so they're confronting Peter Pettigrew at this point. And Peter Pettigrew was, like, basically telling Sirius, oh, you would have done the same thing. Like, you don't understand how powerful Voldemort is. And on page 271, Sirius says, when did I ever sneak around people who were stronger and more powerful than myself? But you, Peter, I'll never understand why I didn't see you for the spy you were from the start. Mm-hmm. You always like big friends who'd look after you, didn't you? It used to be us. Me and Remus. And James. Oh, like that quote, I can't. Like, he literally just puts him in his place by just saying, look, you're a fucking coward. Yeah. And you always looked out for, like, being sheltered by us. But, like, uh, we weren't good enough. Like, you had to go and betray us. Like, right. oh, he just puts him in his place. And you just feel for Sirius because, yes, he's close to Remus. And he was close to Peter. But, like, James was, like, his brother. And, he like, the Potters took him in. And, like, I can only imagine what he went through, you know? And then, like, being framed for this murder so he can't even take care of Harry. Yeah. And probably worrying about Harry. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, Peter was, like... They go on for pages about Peter, like, denying, denying, denying all of this. Like, he's trying still to, like, climb his way out of this hole. And I just want to, like, read the description of Peter after he transforms into Mm -hmm. himself. He's a very short man, hardly taller than Harry and Hermione. Oddly, not Ron, because Ron is supposed to be very tall and lanky. (laughs) His thin, colorless hair. Right. His thin, colorless hair was unkept, and there was a large bald patch on top. He had the shrunken appearance of a plump man who had lost a lot of weight in a short amount of time. His skin looked grubby, almost like Scabber's fur, and something of the rat lingered around his pointed nose, his very small, watery eyes. He looked around at them all, his breathing fast and shallow. Harry saw his eyes dart to the door and back again. And, yeah, like, this whole time, he's just like, no, not me. Like, you know what happened, Remus, you know. Sirius is the murderer, not I, blah, blah, blah. And finally, like, he's kind of realizing that he's being overpowered here. Like, they clearly know the truth. And finally, Peter's just like, you don't understand. He would have killed me, Sirius. And then, of course, Sirius drops the mic and is just like, then you should have died. 
died rather than betray your friends as we would have done for you which i think is an important distinction that we make in the book is when he's like as we would have done for you yeah because they were literally like all for one and one for all like the marauders were so tight and it would literally be like if ron did that to harry and just driving them. i mean they were brothers they were brothers and they were all right. kind of misfits except for james and but james still loved them like brothers like he i don't think he ever made them feel less than you know and mm-hmm. i don't know it i just my heart breaks for sirius and lupin especially sirius at this in this whole chapter just because yeah. like they're having to also relive all of that like james or sirius has to like relive that whole night by retelling it and, and like they yeah, can't be Yeah, and also easy. this is what he's been waiting for for the past yeah. 12 years. Was he's his been vengeance, plotting his this revenge, for 12 years. And he has to wait and explain it to a bunch of freaking 13-year-olds what happened. It's like, okay, come on, let's hurry up. I really want to kill this dude. Come on, you know, mm, yeah. I've waited 12 years. But then finally, like, Lupin and Sirius are aiming their wands at Peter and they're going to kill him at the same time. And Harry steps in and he's just like, wait, don't do this, no. And he's like, you can't kill him, you can't. And Black and Lupin both, like, are staggered and are, like, stunned that he's interjecting. And mm-hmm. Black is like, Harry, this piece of vermin is the reason you have no parents. This cringing bit of filth would have seen you die, too, without turning a hair. You heard him. His own stinking skin meant more to him than your whole family. I know, Harry panted. We'll take him up to the castle. We'll hand him over to Dementors. He can go to Azkaban. Just don't kill him. And then Pettigrew's like, Harry, you great boy, more than I deserve, blah, blah, blah. And Harry's like, get off me. I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it because I don't reckon my dad would have wanted his best friends to become killers just for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. You're not even worth that. Yeah. And I also have it uh, a note that there's a sassy Lupin quote, too, while in this process where Peter's, like, begging for mercy. Mm-hmm. Lupin, or no, not Lupin, sorry. Um, Sirius looks at him, and keep in mind, Sirius, like, has been on the run and in Azkaban for 12 years, and probably is, like, really gross and tattered, and <laughs> Peter's, like, grabbing at his cloak and everything. He says, there's enough filth on my robes without you touching them. Mm-hmm. Got him. Mm-hmm. Mic <laughs> drop. There's so many mic drop moments in this whole part. It's why it's so exciting. This whole thing is just, like, shame, 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 and then, like, boom, roasted over exactly. and over again. It's literally like watching the roast of Peter Pettigrew. Um, right. But then, you know, they're taking a knocked-out Snape to <laughs> the castle and everyone, and Ron volunteers to be strapped to Peter Pettigrew because he partially feels responsible since yeah, it was his rat. for sure. Which, commendable, makes up for the werewolf comment. Um, so they're making their way back, back up. They get outside. Lupin is turning into a werewolf because he, um, forgot to take his potion. Okay, but pause for a second for, like, one of the most important things, in my opinion, is when they're going back through the tunnel and Sirius is telling Harry, you know, I don't know if anyone ever told you, but I'm your godfather. Tears, actual tears. I yeah, I definitely cried at this part. And Harry's like, "Yeah, I knew that." And Sirius is like, "Well, your parents appointed me your guardian, so if anything happened to them." And Harry waited. Did Sirius mean what he thought he meant? "I'll understand, of course, if you want to stay with your aunt and uncle," said Sirius. "But, well, think about it. 
once my name's cleared, if you wanted a, a different home. And some sort of explosion took place in the pit of Harry's stomach. What, live with you? He said, accidentally cracking his head on a bit of rock protruding from the ceiling. Leave the Dursleys? Of course. I thought you wouldn't want to, said Sirius quickly. I understand. I just thought I'd... Are you mad? <laughs> said Harry, his voice easily as croaky as Sirius's. Of course I want to leave the Dursleys. Have you got a house? When can I move in? Like, <laughs> oh, like this is just such a bittersweet, like not even like just heartbreaking moment because you know what happens next. Like, right. But when you're reading this, you're like, yes, hope, finally leave the Dursleys, live with Sirius, live with someone who actually loves you and loves your parents and is actually going to have your best interest in mind all the time. Right. And yeah, so that was like teardrops on my Prisoner of Azkaban book at that moment. Yes. But then, um, so Lupin turns into a werewolf. <sighs> Which like, come on, bro. How long have you been turning into a werewolf? How could know, you not like, take your potion? Like, Come on, you're old enough. You gotta take that. This was a major fuck up. Like, yeah. If he had actually taken his potion, then it would have all been fine. Escaped. All of this would be good. I mean, Buckbeak wouldn't be alive. But other than that, I mean, they could have gone back and saved Buckbeak, right? Like, you know. Yeah. It it could have worked out. (laughs) But then Sirius has to fight him off. Peter transforms back into a rat. And escapes, fulfilling the prophecy. Harry does what Harry always does and wakes up in the hospital wing. Like, yeah. well, I feel like that's yeah. just a recurring theme in his life. <laughs> but I think it's important that when Harry, like, runs off after Sirius, after he, like, sees that he's gotten hurt, that Hermione's with him, too. Like, she was a part of that whole, yes. like, Dementor yes. by the lake scene. And then he sees his dad, or is it? But he sees his dad produce right. a Patronus to save his life. Right before he wakes up in the hospital wing. After he failed to right. produce one. So then he wakes up, obviously, like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> we have to save him. And they, like, are hearing Snape just, like, take full credit and just, like... Oh, yeah. They're hearing Snape being a complete dick. Oh, I knew it. I really think Harry should at least be suspended for his actions. Like, come on, minister. What kind right. of kid should get away with this? We give Potter too much credit, blah, blah, blah. Yes, and so then Dumbledore comes in, and he believes them, but he says, I don't think anyone's really going to believe two 13-year-old wizards, but I sure as hell do. So Hermione, get that time turner, What do we need? Some more time. Yes, yes. And then, so they go back in time, and it's, I'll mention this more in the next episode, but Mm -hmm. this part is, like, super quick in the book. It's like a chapter. And in the movie, it's like half the damn movie when they do this. (laughs) Um... But anyway, they go back in time, they free Buckbeak, um, and then they have to wait. And that's very hard for Harry to want to wait when, obviously, he could go and get the murderer. Right. Or the reason that his parents got murdered. Like, Hermione just has to kind of, like, fill him in on how time traveling works while they're doing it. Right, She's just right, like, no, right, you right. can't go out. Like, you can't stop. Like, you can't be seen, number one. You cannot be seen. Number right. two, you cannot interject, like, and try to change stuff that you're not going back to change. Otherwise, right. like, you have no idea the kind of effects that it could have. And that's really frustrating to Harry. But then, you know, Harry also is there by the lake and he is waiting for his dad to show up. And I think that's like, he has to keep reminding himself that his dad's dead. But in this point, he's like, I don't know how this happened, but like, this was my dad. I know it was my dad. And then he realizes it wasn't. 
oh, it wasn't my dad. He's not showing up. Yeah. And then it hit him. He understood. He hadn't seen his father. He had seen himself. Harry flung himself out behind, out from behind the bush and pulled out his wand. Expecto Patronum! He yelled. Biggest, baddest Expecto Patronum to ever exist. <laughs> and out of the end of his wand burst not a shapeless cloud of mist, but a blinding, dazzling, silver animal. He screwed up his eyes, trying to see what it was. It looked like a horse that was galloping silently away from him across the black surface of the lake. He saw it lower its head and charge at the swarming Dementors. Now it was galloping around and around the black shapes on the ground, and the Dementors were falling back, scattering, retreating into the darkness. They were gone. The Patronus turned. It was cantering back towards Harry across the still surface of the water. It wasn't a horse. It wasn't a unicorn, either. It was a stag. It was shining brightly as the moon above was coming back to him. It stopped on the bank. Its hooves made no mark on the soft ground as it stared at Harry with its large silver eyes. Slowly, it bowed its antlered head, and Harry realized, prongs, he whispered. Oh, my God. Just like Daddy. Daddy was there. But then there's really no time to spare, and Harry and Hermione have to scurry onto Buckbeat's back and head up to where Sirius is being held in Flitwick's office and free him And yes. um, by unlocking the window, and Sirius is just like, what the fuck? And then he like jumps onto Buckbeak, and they fly up to the top of the West Tower, and that's where Sirius like gets off, and he's like, how can I ever thank you? And they're just like, you can't, like, you don't have time. Go, go, go. And he's like, I know we'll see each other again. You mm-hmm. are truly your father's son, Harry. As if he yes. needed any more solidification of that fact after just producing his father's Patronus. Sirius is just, like, reiterating, you're, you're my boy, you know? Yeah. And then they, Harry and Hermione, dash back down to the hospital wing and make it back just in time as the clock strikes midnight and they catch Dumbledore leaving and they tell him that it all went well and they did it pretty much just as soon as they had chewed a piece of the chocolate in the hospital wing um, they start hearing Snape's rage at the fact that Sirius had escaped, and he knows automatically that somehow Potter was involved. He rushes in, acting crazy, screaming at Harry, and like say like, "How did you do it? How did you do it? I know you had something to do with it." And I feel like this is really important because like Snape's rage is very much downplayed, right? You know, and we'll talk about it next episode. But I love that he has this just moment of insanity. Mm-hmm. And after that happens, Ron wakes up after all this yelling, like, clearly he should wake up. And he's like, uh, what happened? <laughs> and Arian looks at Hermione and he's just like, you explain. You take this one. But then they finally get to relax and they're, like, lounging by the lake when they find out that Lupin is packing up his office and that he has resigned. So Harry goes to see him and Lupin tells Harry that, you know, Snape you know, casually, accidentally let it slip at breakfast that he was a werewolf, probably because he was so upset that he wasn't going to get his Order of Merlin from Fudge. Oh, it's because he was a bitch. I mean, I can't. (laughs) Well, this is what Lupin says, you know. He's trying to... Lupin is honorable, and he's just like, "Mm, I suspect that it was Snape. And he also tells Harry how proud he is of him, and especially the work that he's done. How his dad would have been of him. Making a Patronus, Yeah. And then he's like, since I'm not your teacher anymore, I don't feel guilty giving you back this invisibility cloak and the Marauder's Map. And he also tells Harry that they will meet again before he mm-hmm. leaves to catch his carriage. Right. Um, and then uh, Dumbledore 
shows up to tell Lupin his carriage was here. And then he foreshadows. Yes, heavily. So, but if he helps Voldemort back to power, Pettigrew owes his life to you. You have sent Voldemort a deputy who is in your debt. When one wizard saves another wizard's life, it creates a certain bond between them. And I'm much mistaken if Voldemort wants his servant in the debt of Harry Potter. Yes. So, you know, this is obviously foreshadowing when Pettigrew saves Harry's life at Malfoy Manor. I mean, he goes on to say, like, there will be a time when you will be very glad you saved Pettigrew's life. Like, Right, right, right. Yeah, obviously later he is. And then there's this last Dumbledore quote that I would like to share, too. Um, mm-hmm. You think the dead we have loved ever truly leave us? You think that we don't recall them more clearly than ever in times of great trouble? Your father is alive in you, Harry, and he shows himself most plainly when you have need of him. How else could you produce, produce that particular Patronus? Prongs wrote again last night. Yeah. Ugh, so beautiful. And then... There's, like, Quidditch World Cup foreshadowing when Ron's like, I'll hit you up. Right. But Harry does get a letter from Sirius on the train back to the station. And it tells Harry that, indeed, it was him that sent Harry the Firebolt. And consider it 13 years worth of birthday presents. Yes. And um, he also, like, tells Harry, you know, I'm good. You'll be okay. And he gives Harry permission to to go to Hogsmeade Hogsmeade. since he's his guardian. And then he also gives the little owl that delivered it to Ron because Mm -hmm. he was the reason why Ron lost his red. (laughs) Yes. But that, I think, pretty much concludes that. This is still my favorite book. That will never change. Um, Beautiful book. Made me cry. Made me laugh. I feel like this should be, like... like standalone this should be anyone's just like favorite book not even favorite harry potter book this is just a good ass book like it could stand alone and holds up and i feel like you know after we do our entire deep dive reread like this might have made its way to my top over deathly hollows oh it really moved me this time reading it like i i cried out of joy i cried out of like sadness so yeah i yeah it's it's up there well awesome thank you guys for listening next week is our comparison episode second half of prisoner basket band movie as always you can follow us at hp half drunk on instagram and twitter harry potter and the half drunk podcast on facebook give us a rating and a review don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe. Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. And have a good week. Cheers, y'all. Mischief managed.